Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Through Jesus podcast with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, God's reputation, the focus of our prayers, and being known by His name. Numbers 14, 12 through 19, read from the New King James Version. Quickly before we get started, if you're new to Live Through Jesus, make sure that you go to livethroughjesus.com and sign up to receive your free five-week Bible study over Abraham. There you'll also find blog posts that coincide with the teachings on this podcast and social media links, which is another way to keep in touch throughout the week. Okay, let's get started. How important is God's reputation to you? Have you ever thought about it? Here's a little test. When you pray, do you seek answers that will glorify God or that will benefit you? Then think about your conduct. Do your words and your actions help or hurt God's reputation? Again, do you even think about that? To be honest, I don't know if I'd thought about it in those terms before I read the passage that we're going to read today. But just as a reminder, before we do that, on the last episode, the Israelites were just about to go into the promised land and God told Moses to send some spies in there just so they would know what to expect when they got there. And the spies came back and said, the land is wonderful, but the people there are too big. They're too strong. Their cities have walls all around them. There's no way we can defeat these people. And so we can't go in. And the people are devastated, obviously, because 10 out of the 12 spies are telling them that they can't have what they've been working towards this entire time. Now, two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, tried to persuade them to go in. And they explained how God was stronger than these people, and this had been his plan all the time, and that they needed to trust him. But they wouldn't. They were terrified. And as a matter of fact, they just wanted to go back to Egypt. They were done with this. And so when God heard them saying, let's just select another leader and try to go back to Egypt, and then also saw them trying to stone Caleb and Joshua just for trying to encourage them to obey the Lord, God got very, very angry. And he told Moses, he said, I just want to wipe these people out. I already told you this before, whenever they worship the golden calf, and now they're doing it again. They're rejecting me completely. And I just want to wipe them out and start over. And why I started thinking about how concerned I am about God's reputation is because of Moses's response to God wanting to wipe the people out. So I'm going to read you that passage now. This is Numbers 14, beginning in verse 12. I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. So this is God after he has stopped them from killing Caleb and Joshua. This is what he's telling Moses. And then verse 13, Moses says, Then the Egyptians will hear it. For by your might you brought these people out from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above these people. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But if you kill these people, then the nations that have heard of your fame are going to say, 
because the Lord wasn't able to bring this people to the land that he swore to give them, he killed them in the wilderness. Now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. So did you see it? Moses was begging God for mercy for the people, but it wasn't for the people. It was for God. The whole thing was about him. Moses never made excuses for the people. He knew that they had been rejecting God since they left Egypt and that God had the complete right to reject them in return. He also knew that God wouldn't be breaking his promise to Abraham because Moses was a descendant of Abraham. And so God just promised Abraham that his descendants would inherit the land. And if God started over with Moses, then Abraham's descendants still would inherit the land. So God wouldn't be breaking his promise and he would be completely just in wiping these people out and starting over with someone that actually wanted to listen to him. And so Moses knew all this and he wasn't pleading for mercy for the people. It wasn't about them at all. It was all about the work that God had done for these people and what that was going to do to his reputation if he killed them. Because these people were the ones that God had rescued from Egypt for the express purpose of bringing them into the promised land. And they were known by their God. Everybody knew that God is the one that brought them out of Egypt. And Everyone knew that there was this cloud that was hovering over them, leading them in the day and in the night. And that cloud meant that God was with them. They knew this. Everyone was understanding. Every nation had a God. Every nation believed in a God. And this was Israel's God. And everyone believed that he was the one that had defeated the Egyptians. The people didn't even fight the Egyptians. God performed 10 plagues against the Egyptians. None of those things were done by the Israelites. And everybody knew it because Moses was going to Pharaoh saying, if you don't do this, God is going to do this. And then Pharaoh was even asking him, pray to your God and tell him to make the plagues stop. And then after Pharaoh sent them away and then began regretting it and went after them with his army, God parted the Red Sea so that the Israelites could walk across on dry ground and then made the sea collapse back on the Egyptian army and kill all of them. Everyone knew this was God. And now they have this visible representation of Israel's God that is present with them everywhere they go in this cloud by day and this fire by night. And so Moses is trying to say, everybody knows that you're with these people. And it's going to look like you couldn't fulfill what you promised. And so you just kill them yourself as opposed to letting them go in and get slaughtered by these other nations. You just kill them yourself. And Moses didn't want the Egyptians or any of the new nations to have a reason to say that God had any evil intentions towards his people or that God had any lack of power. So you see the two things that Moses was concerned about with God's reputation. He was concerned with people thinking that God was evil 
or had evil intentions and thinking that God lacked power. And so he prayed in accordance with God's promises and with God's character. Moses understood God's wrath and his punishment, and he knew that they were justified. But he had also seen God's patience and forgiveness and steady love from the beginning. And so he asked God to exhibit those characteristics towards his people of patience and forgiveness and love instead of wrath and punishment. And so as I read this prayer, I just thought, wow, the fact that Moses was not concerned for the people or for his own self, because these people were a burden to him. It would have been helpful to him if they were gone and he could just start over with his couple of kids, you know. But what his concern was is for God's reputation. And so the question would be, how important is God's reputation to us? When we're praying, are we concerned about his glory or what we want? This is Psalm 79, 8 through 12. God, do not remember our former iniquities. Let your tender mercies come speedily to meet us, for we have been brought very low. Help us, God our Savior, for the glory of your name. So do you see this? This is a different person praying for God's mercy and saying it is for the glory of his name. And then he says, deliver us and forgive us our sins for your name's sake. It's all about God. And then it says the same types of things that Moses is saying here. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Let there be known among the nations in our sight the avenging of the blood of your servants, which has been shed. Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you. According to the greatness of your power, preserve those who are appointed to die. Return to our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom, their reproach with which they have reproached you, O Lord. So we, your people, and sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. So he says, for your name's sake, save us, deliver us, and punish our enemies, and we will praise you, and we will let everyone know that all of this is on you. So that passage was someone else praying the same type of prayer that Moses prayed. Listen to what it says in Ezekiel 36, 22 to 36. This is God saying that this is also how he works. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord your God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you profaned in their midst. The nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. And then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. 
I will call for the grain and multiply it, and bring no famine upon you. I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields, so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. You will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, On the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities, and the ruins shall be rebuilt. The desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of those who pass by. So they will say, The land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. The wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. So God says multiple times that he is not doing this. He's not gathering them back to their land and blessing that land and rebuilding that land and giving them a new heart and a new spirit to follow him. He's not doing this for these people. They don't deserve it. As a matter of fact, they're the reason that he has a bad reputation. Did you catch how he kept saying, you have profaned my name among the nations? You made me look bad to everyone. And now I have to fix that. That's what God's saying. You went out and you worshiped idols and you acted like the people of these other countries. And now I have to fix that so that they know my power and my goodness and how I'm able to do all these things. And so when they look and they see that all these ruins have been rebuilt and you're back in your nation, they're going to see their God rescued them. So you ruined my reputation and now I have to fix it. That's hard because we definitely do not want to be those kind of people, right? We do not want to be ruining God's reputation, profaning his name. And so that's the lesson to us. We do not want to profane God's name. We do not want to damage his reputation. And we, like the Israelites, are known by his name. The word Christian means Christ follower. And so however we portray Christ to the world, that is what they're going to know of him. And so we do not want to be like the Israelites in this Ezekiel passage and profane God's name, give him a bad reputation, make others think that he is not good or not powerful, that he has some sort of evil intent or is unable to perform his will here on this earth. And so here's our reflection moment, right? Do others see him in us? Do they know God better because they know us? Or do they have a distorted view of him because of how we depict him? Hard things to think about. But that's our purpose here on earth is to reflect who he is to others. Listen to what it says in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So the Bible tells us to shine our light, to reflect him, that's what the light does, to other people. Well, how do we do that? 
We have to know him, right? We have to know who he is. How do you reflect someone you don't know? Listen to what it says in Ephesians 5, 1 to 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So, how do we imitate God if we don't know him? How do we walk in the same kind of love if we don't see how God loves us all through the scriptures? We can't. We can't reflect it if we don't know it. Skip down to verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So we have to know God's goodness, his righteousness, and his truth before we can reflect it to anyone else. But if we find those things, then we can reflect his goodness, his justice, his truth to the world. And then they won't doubt that he's good or powerful. Skip down to verse 14. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So God wants us to reflect him to the world, but we have to know him first. He also wants us to pray according to his promises and according to his character, just like Moses did. Moses said, you promise these things and the people aren't going to understand that I'm still a descendant of Abraham. They're going to think you killed your people. And then he also prayed according to God's character. He knew about God's wrath, but he also knew about his mercy. And so he prayed appealing to that mercy. And so in order for us to act like he acts, to reflect him to the world, to pray according to his promises or to his character, in order to believe in that, we have to know who God is and what he says. And in order to do that, we have to read the Bible and we have to spend time with God. We have to study how Jesus acted, learn the ways of the Lord, know what he teaches. When we pray like this, we show God that we believe in his power and we trust in his faithfulness and his goodness towards us because we're expressing that. We're saying, I know this is your character. And so I'm appealing to that and I'm asking for whatever it is, believing that you have the power to do it and that you're faithful in keeping your promises. And so here's several verses that talk about God's word and seeking God and what it's like to know God, things like that. I want you to see how important his word is and how important it is to know him. So this is Psalm 119, 9 through 16. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all the riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes and I will not forget your word. And then in the same chapter, Psalm 119, verses 97 to 105, it says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day long. 
You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I haven't departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So he's saying how much God's word has benefited him, how seeking God and meditating on his word has made him smarter than all the people around, that he has better understanding, that he knows more than all of the rest of the people because he meditates on God's word and seeks to know him. Listen to what it says in John 10 about what it's like to know God. This is John 10, 2 to 6, and it says, He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Then he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him, for they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they didn't understand the things that he spoke to them. And so skip down to verse 14 and he explains it to them. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I am known by them. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So he's saying, this is what it's like to know me, that whenever I call your name, you hear my voice and you know it's my voice. He says that his sheep won't even listen to strangers because they don't know the stranger's voice. And so being able to discern the voice of God is knowing him well. When you know somebody, you can hear their voice, not even see them, and you know exactly who they are, right? And so that's the kind of knowing that we need to have for God. If we're going to reflect him to the world, we need to know him that well. And the only way to do that is what we said before in the psalm verse, meditate on his word and seek to know him. Now in 1 John 2, 3 to 5, it says, By this we will know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and doesn't keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth isn't in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. So the only way to keep God's commandments is to know them, right? And so he says, if you're keeping the commandments, then you've read my word and you know me and what I'm about and why I've given those things to you. And when we keep God's word, then his love is perfected in us. Then he enables us to keep his word better. And so the question to us today is, do we know him well enough? If not, then reflect what you do know and then learn what you don't and care about his reputation. Be aware of how you present him to other people. This is something, like I said, that I know, but listening to this prayer from Moses and seeing how his deepest concern is for God's reputation struck me. And so that should be our desire too. If we are known by his name, then we don't want to profane his name. We don't want 
to hurt his reputation by the way that we act. And so this is the last verse. First Peter 4.11 says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So this is talking about our words and deeds reflecting God and glorifying him. The things that we say should be the same types of things that God says. Our words should reflect his words. When we serve, when we act, when we do, then we should do it through the strength that God provides to us so that we're acting in a way that is pleasing to him, that brings praise and glory and power to his name. And for us to meditate on this week, examine ourselves a little bit. What do our prayers focus on? What is our purpose in our prayers? And how do our words and actions reflect him? Do we really care about his reputation enough to present him well to the world? And then just knowing him better so that we can be a better reflection. Maybe that looks like reading our Bible, talking with others, listening to others, going to church, being involved in a small group, talking to the Lord. All of these things will help us know him better. So... That's all we have for today. Next week, we're going to see what God's response is. Does he kill them? Does he punish them at all? Do they go into the promised land? What happens next? So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss that episode. Leave me a five-star review and comments wherever you're listening. You can also find my email at livethroughjesus.com. And don't forget to sign up for your weekly email updates and follow me on all social media at livethroughjesus. Thanks and have a good day.